Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Short Tales. For today's episode, I am very delighted to be joined by my beautiful twin brother, Jonathan Robb. Welcome, Jono. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Mate. Good to see you. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> this is nice. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, kind of was your choice, kind of not. I said, hey, you're living in my house. For Conditions time. of entry, yeah. Yeah, get behind this mic and start talking. But no, in all seriousness, you and I have been pretty much chatting stories since we were uh, in the womb together. That's probably about really the only thing we have in common aside from, you know, our our entire personality, interest, and appearance. Genetics. And ge- well, the genetics. <laughs> Genetic code. That's yeah. a good call, yeah. Uh, but no, we, we love chatting story together. But the topic you've chosen today, I think, is a really good one. I think it really sort of, it sort of cuts the heart of when when us as writers have to make decisions in our stories. How, how do we go about that? So, I think it's a really useful topic and just, yeah, definitely one I'm, I'm very interested to talk about. So, Jono, what are we talking about today? Yes, thank you. Today, we are talking about Choices in storytelling. Beautiful. So, what sort of inspired this topic, or what made you want to want to discuss this? Yeah. So, for me, when I I think like a lot of new writers, you sort of you're so excited by writing and then the stories you're reading, so you jump in and you think, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something really big, something yeah. special, something new. And there's a bit of an adage that there is no no new stories. Mm. There's no new stories to tell, and that's a hard. That's sort of a bit of pill to swallow because you think no 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 of course I'm going to tell it my story it's going to be great yeah and for me it was the realization that yeah in terms of plot in terms of a story arc mm-hmm. th- this has been mapped out this yeah. has been done a hundred yeah. times before yeah. but what makes your story unique or my story unique is mm. the choices we make for our characters in the moment mm. um, so for example if you're having a, a scene where a character is, for instance, escaping from prison. Yeah. Um, particularly, we read a lot of fantasy books. This is a common motif. Somehow, the characters People end up in jail. Always breaking out Man, of jail. They get, they get into trouble. First, um, they get into jail, and they're like, "Well, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Better figure a way out of this <laughs> yeah, one." Yeah. This is a common motif, and you might think, you know, oh, I can't tell this story. This has been done before. But yeah. if that's where you want your story to go, I think it should. And what makes it unique is the way that you then have your character break out of jail, for yeah. instance. And I think this then, you can use this to tell a lot about who your character is, who the motivations, for as well sure, as the yeah. themes of your story mm. that you want to get across. So if you have your character break out of jail in a wacky series of events of slipping on banana peels and yeah. stuff, then obviously that's one form of storytelling and yeah. that sets your story apart. But instead, if you have your character go on a freaking rampage and mm. murder everyone within the keep that they're being held in, yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. different uh, yeah. <laughs> way to tell this For tale. For sure, yeah. And I think these choices are just so important in yeah setting up the tone and what makes your story your story. Yeah, yeah. 
And even those examples you gave is like going on the rampage. That makes me think of like Punisher, like from the mm-hmm. comics or, or TV yeah. show. And the idea of like that character doing the little yeah, it doesn't feel right ultimately yes. because yeah, that's not the choices this character would make. Where yeah, going on a murderous rampage to get out of there. That that one hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's room for creativity in there as well. For instance, yeah, I have read many stories where yeah. a character breaks out of jail. For instance, but maybe I haven't read it where they've used some in- intelligent scheme to get out, right. or they've done something entirely different. Then they've used their kindness. They've won over a guard, mm. for instance, and and proved their innocence to this one guard. And so, so I think that's again what sort of sets your story apart. Yeah, and this yeah. is the beautiful way of making a story that's been told before unique again. Yeah, exactly. Right, and I think I mean obviously I I like you sort of talking about how there's there are no new stories because mm-hmm. yes I think I actually find that super liberating right I don't have to come up with a brand new yeah. story because that's an impossible task right, right? it's like sitting there thinking uh, okay how can I reinvent the wheel this yeah. is on a task well, I want to take wheel. on personally. <laughs> right. That wheel's working really well. Hexagon? That seems like a bad design. <laughs> I feel like this is not going to sell. Yeah. yeah, right. So, like, yeah, I, I agree. It's sort of there is that thing when you're, like, starting out writing and you want to be like, I want this to be to blow people's minds and something they've never seen before. And then you go, ah, but everything's been done because humans have... Because for a long time we've been telling story pretty much since we first since did. one, yeah. Um, you know, and even then there's, like, I can't remember exactly the, the terminology for this, but there's, like, some person came up with a thing where there's, like, only 11 different types of stories or something mm. like I'm probably got that wrong. And they literally break it down into these sort of, you know, br- much broader beats of the story where X leads to Y leads to Z mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But sure enough, you can, like, there is some truth to that, but only in the same sense that, like, we can break any story down to three X structure, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, it's finding this sort of root heart of a story that we as humans tend to want to write towards and want to imbue we want kind of want that Mm. structure and so sure enough if you go that you're like well if we're looking at those broader structural beats then sure enough yeah you could probably get it down to a dozen and and most you could sort of jerry rig into one of those ones right but you get i find super liberating it's definitely not something i think about when i'm writing a story in terms of those 12 different types mm. of which one am i writing this and i time. think that would slow you down ultimately. of course yeah. yeah yeah but then like you say that doesn't really matter because ultimately it's it's who's writing it the author <laughs> and then the characters that are in their story and how these characters mm. the choices they make given the situation given the setup to the mm. story so that kind of brings us nicely to like when it comes to, you know, the topic we're talking about choices in storytelling, it's really our characters' choices yes. as much as us, the writers. Yeah, choices. obviously you make a choice for your plot, but this is the thing when you're, when you're, make, when you're doing your plotting, this is where it's almost inescapable. You're going to think, I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those choices, obviously we make, we mm. choose the story that we want to tell. But to me, and this is also what makes, this is the fun part of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. This is where you get to just, go a bit crazy and and do things, yeah, that you've not seen before. You get to just sit there and brainstorm, okay, I know he needs to get out of jail, Mm. but I can do this any way I want because to move the story on, he just needs to have gotten out of jail. But I can come up with really cool, really fun, really stupid, really silly, really brutal ways of doing that, whichever way you choose, whatever way is fun for you that you you want to tell that story. Mm. Um, So, yeah, for me, that's definitely the fun part of of telling the story. And like you sort of with the with the Punisher example we used before, it's like, but the the way they the way the choices the character makes should come from who the character mm-hmm. is, right? Absolutely. And Absolutely. so, like you and I, I know obviously we're both because we've talked about this many times there. We like character driven story, mm-hmm. uh, and I I honestly believe that m- almost all stories should be character driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, some aren't, but I thought 
might be worth us sort of defining what we mean by a character-driven story. Do you have a definition that you could say? Uh, I mean, not at hand to me. It's just, it's pretty much in the name. It's, is is the story being driven by the plot mm. or is the story being driven by the motives of the character? Yeah. And when I talk about plot, I'm talking about this sort of overarching story. If you're having a story about some sort of Armageddon. Obviously, this is what's driving the plot. If it's some right. climate change Armageddon, you get to see this gradual deterioration in the environment. And da, da, da. This is the overall plot, but there's no character there, per yeah. se. Yeah. So to me, it's more about if you were also telling an Armageddon story, but you're telling it now in the head of a character and what are their motivations mm. and what did they want from life and how is this Armageddon getting in the way of them achieving that? Suddenly now you're still telling a story about you know environmental collapse, for right. instance, but you're doing it through a character and through their motivations. That's yeah. kind of how I see it. And to me, yep. this is so much more fun. I'd much rather be in a character's head as they go through this event. I, I Exactly. I, to me, that's what story is about, is about you know us sort of being able to experience things either we might not be able to otherwise or mm-hmm. e- even just sort of as a bit of preparation. Obviously, we I do Scaredy Boys, the podcast, mm-hmm. where we talk about horror movies. And like one of the things I think horror mo- people are drawn to horror movies for is to almost experience this sort of fear and trauma in a safe space, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but really, you could look at any and all story and go, well, I want to experience any of yeah. these things, good, bad, otherwise. Absolutely. And to do that, you need to first be able to connect with a character. Yes. So, yeah, when we say character-driven stories, yeah, my, my definition was pretty much exactly the same as yours, where it's the character is, is leading the plot mm-hmm. and not the other way around. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, if we have a passive character where we're like, the plot seems to be happening mm. to them. And they're just pulled along. Right. Their yeah. choices aren't choices at all. Exactly. They're, they're just sort of, this thing happens and then the next thing happens and the next thing happens. And like, maybe they're reacting to it, mm-hmm. but only in the most basic ways, mm. in the most basic way we could even say reaction. Mm-hmm. It's just like they survived it and now they're on to the next thing. So, mm. so definitely some action, more action driven where it's like big, crazy set pieces. And again, it's more about what's happening rather than the character. Yes. It's happening too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when we say character-driven, we're really meaning that our, our character's choices are what's driving the plot. Mm. The next thing happens because of the choices they make. Yeah. Or what you're, what you're sort of leading to, and I want to talk about a bit more, is it happens in a certain way because mm-hmm. of who that character exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that is the, that's the juicy bit. Mm. Because if you get a character, particularly one, I think, for me, that you sort of almost admire, that you almost look up to in a weird way. They yeah. have traits that you think... For me, this is what I enjoy. Sure. Obviously, some people I know, they like the anti-hero and stuff. For me, mm. I quite like a character where they're acting in usually a, a tough environment. They're being chall- posed with challenges, but they're holding to their ethics and their morals despite right. this. I think uh, in modern culture, um, Captain America is such yeah. a great example, yeah, right? for sure. He will not flinch, even when he's called Captain America and he's got the flag on his chest. Mm. But when his government's doing something he doesn't agree with, he's, he says, no, this is not. And I love watching a character do that because yeah. you would think the easy decision for that character for sure, yeah. would be to go with the flow almost, to go with the way the plot's pulling them. Yeah. But these characters stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And that's when I start getting really excited. Yeah. Think, well, this is a good story. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And then where if you had a different character in that situation, yeah, well, they wouldn't, they would just either, if they're, especially if they're corrupt, great, they're happy. They're going right. to keep, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So sort of to jump back to your, to your uh, prison example, breaking out of prison, right? So you mm-hmm. talked about, yeah, there could be, brutal mm-hmm. it could be a silly slapsticky paddington bear uh, in paddington <laughs> exactly. 2 when he breaks out of prison perfect of the goofy example Fantastic. yeah masterfully done beautifully beautifully done but obviously there are so many more and you were sort of talking to me yesterday about this mm-hmm. so i was just hoping you could sort of go like you know if you had 
give me sort of different examples of characters and the ways like who the character is and mm-hmm. how they might sort of choose to yeah, do Yeah, so I think if you've got a character who is, yeah, naturally good-hearted, someone who is incredibly ethical, you mm. could even have them wherein they're in a situation and a guard has deliberately left the door open. Right. But maybe they have some sense of morals that say, no, I'm not going to walk out. Mm. I'm going to leave here a free man. I'm not going to sneak out the door. And remed- and then perhaps this somehow leads to them yep. getting out. So that's a decision. And that's a character with ethics. Or you could have a character who is just incredibly intelligent. Mm. And so they come up with some scheme, yep. uh, Shawshank Redemption-esque, yes. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to get out of there. And that's such an enjoyable story yeah. and a character to go along with. Or you could have a character who is just a cold-hearted asshole right. and, you know, wins over the guards, mm. learns about their personal life and then uses that against them yeah. to get out of jail. Exactly. And all of these, the same thing is happening, mm. but it's such different stories and it's all about those choices you've mm. made about your character and how they're going to behave in this situation. Yeah, exactly right. Which kind of brings us to the next thing I was talking, wanting to talk about, which is basically in order to for your character, for, for it to be character-driven, and for the choices you make and the choices your character make to really drive that plot, you need to know your character so in depth. You need Absolutely. to know who they are, which uh, I personally don't like uh, occasionally like more for screenwriting stuff. I'll do character um, sort of character profiles and make a bit of a mind map of how all the characters interact with each other because I need to really be able to deliver that really mm-hmm. concisely in that more outliney way to a production company or whatever. Where for my pro stuff, I don't really. I'm, it's more like I have a feel for who the character is, and I sort of, and I, I know, I feel like I know them well enough in my head that I don't really feel the need to write a character map. Occasionally, when I'm doing outlining, I might sort of brain dump. Mm-hmm. All, mm-hmm. Although, like I said, it's kind of in my head. Sometimes I need to get it down just so I actually, yeah. and I might brain dump. So I just wanted to ask you, what sort of you, when it comes to sort of building out these characters, and like we said, if we need to know our characters really well, mm. what, what sort of your methodology there? Yeah, I think you got to think about. Flaws. Flaws are such a big mm. one. You've got to know your character's flaws because it's going to be their flaws that are going to push the plot. Yeah. It's going to be when they come up against where they're weakest yeah. and where they're going to have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Am I going to give in to this weakness or am I going to step up and become a different person? Right. And this is driving plot and this is driving character development and this is what ultimately makes a story and a satisfying story. Yeah. So definitely the flaws. And that took me a while to get the grasp of because mm-hmm. I, of course, like many new writers, just thought I'm going to write a cool character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be able to do this or she's going to be able to do this. And, and that's a great place to start. You can start with that. You can mm-hmm. start with the strength. But if you only write a character with strengths as a reader, you're going to have no empathy for them. Yeah, sure. Because they're too perfect. They're too untouchable. Um, So, yeah, for me, it's definitely knowing that. And that's also part of the fun because then you get to play with that. If you have a character who's socially uncomfortable, socially Mm. awkward, well, then you, you... particularly if you're writing sort of a humorous thing, you put them in a socially social situation where <laughs> yeah. they're forced to be social, even if they're lacking those skills. Yeah. And you've suddenly got, you know, a bit of friction and a bit mm. of interest. Mm. So, yeah, definitely, definitely that. And then otherwise, I think you just got to think through, for me, what really helps is just brainstorming different scenarios and think, what would my character do in yeah, this situation? Yeah. Particularly yeah. in order to separate yourself from your character because it's so easy to sort of just think, what would I do in this situation? And then you write that into the character. But, mm. of course... Our characters are part of us, but they should also be their own distinct thing. So yeah. trying to think, what would they do? What is so unique to them that they would behave in this way? In this right. situation? That would right. make that decision. Yeah, I think that's sort of where I start. Yeah, great. I like that. They made me think of, there was a novel I was working on and still working on where this sort of crime happens in the town, but no one knows who committed. That's sort of part of the mystery is this crime thing. 
um, and I had this detective char- character, mm-hmm. and I was just sort of trying to figure her out a bit. Mm. I'm like, I think she's a bit of a hard ass. She kind of hates yeah. the town, doesn't necessarily want to work there, that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, I'll have her talking to someone. And so I just chose one of my other main characters and that inter- like literally interrogation. Mm. Obviously, because stakes are high, people are on edge, you kind mm-hmm. of, they show you who they really are sort of thing. Mm. They can't have that sort of mask over themselves. And I actually found it incredibly useful. It came out really easily. And so I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have her do that for two, for three other character. characters. Yeah, right? that's great. And then some of it, I'm like, well... Not only do I now know these characters better and know who mm. they are when they're under pressure, but now I also, I'm going to use this bit of dialogue. I like yeah, this dialogue. Yeah, now yeah. you've got a bit of content. Yeah, Why not? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, there are sort of like lots of different ways, but I think you hitting on the flaws thing is really important. There's this version of, of character that I've taught in my screenwriting classes where there's lots of ways you can, lots and lots of ways you can look at character, obviously, but this mm. one um, comes from a mate, Dan Nixon, uh, and he just calls it the floating potato. And okay. it's just a, imagine an image of a potato. I don't, it's a great well, name. I'm already hooked. Yeah. So, basically, it's it's kind of like the iceberg idea, but he was sick of icebergs, so he went with floating potato. <laughs> right. And basically, it sort of breaks it down into three parts. There's the part above the water, mm-hmm. and that's sort of that projected self that the character, all of us as people, we all sort of, you know, project this version of ourselves, mm. which like, if you really, really want to break it down, you could even go in different situations, we project a different version of ourselves, mm. you know, mm. but if we're just generalizing, yeah, this is who we sort of are projecting ourselves to be. And then underneath the water, there's two extra parts. There's the broken self, which mm-hmm. is kind of the flaws that you're talking yes. about. Mm-hmm. It's this sort of, it's them on their worst day. It's the, their, mm. you know, the, I like that. Yeah, yeah. When they're on under pressure or just at the end of their rope. And that's that broken scarred version of themselves. That's going to show it's, that's going to maybe come up to the fore. And the other one is the true self. And that's sort of like them on their best day, their best mm. version of them, that them we kind of are trying to lead them to by the end of the story, yeah. right? If they've gone on a character Absolutely. arc, yeah, mm-hmm. they've maybe healed a bit of their broken self and then now their true self can kind of, and they don't have to project as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like what I like about this is this acknowledgement that uh, a single character can sort of have different versions of mm. them. So again, if it comes back to us as writers and making uh, making sure our characters are making choices that feels true to that character, we kind of need to know yes. each part of them, right? And Absolutely. then be like, all right, given this situation- which one is actually going to come to the fore. Mm. And that's where the flaws come in because mm. I think that's something that you really need to... When we're talking about choices and making characters making choices, they don't always make good choices. Yeah. And, like, I think it's easy to go, okay, what's the what's the best choice my character is capable of making? Whether it is, like, yeah, they're super intelligent, so they're going to use their intelligence to get out of this situation. Or they're, they've got brute force, so they're going to use brute force to get out of this situation. Or they're cunning and so mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But also it's like... No, what are their flaws? Mm. Will they even get out of this situation? Will yeah. they make this situation worse? In a way, will their broken self be the one that responds? Yeah, exactly. And and the tension's there and, and it's building and you think as a reader or as a watcher, you're thinking, mm. you know, are they going to step up? And it's sometimes the, the most bittersweet or the most poignant when their broken self steps in and they, they can't do it. Yeah, yeah. They, they step back, they, they, they give in and you think... Shit, I did not see that coming. Right. And that's but but I think what's beautiful and what I was thinking about as you were talking is mm. also understanding those three components of your character is what's gonna then help you understand their motives. Right. And nothing frustrates me more. I think you find it really in long running TV shows mm-hmm. when a character stops acting true to their motives. Right. Suddenly they make a decision and you think for the last three seasons of this show they've been consistent. Even in their 
they're not consistent as in they constantly do the same thing or the right thing. Yeah. They make they do the same, they make mistakes, yeah. they trip up, but they're consistent in their motives in that they always are trying to get to mm-hmm. some point or some version mm-hmm. of themselves. And then suddenly you have them make this decision and you think, but that flies in the face of their, their motivation completely. Yeah. And this is the stuff under the water. Yeah. This is the stuff that they're not projecting because it's very easy to have that projected self be different from one day to the sure, next. Sure. And I think this is where you get lazy writing where you're like, yeah, but it serves the plot if they make this decision. Right, right. Suddenly they betray, like let's say there's someone who's always faithful to the family and then suddenly because they need a new plot line, mm. they're suddenly going, no, I'm not going to be faithful to the family today. And you think, yeah. but that came out of nowhere. That's yeah, one of their yeah. core parts. You can't, just, yeah, yeah. you can't just do that. And I think... I think this is the thing. You've got an intelligent audience. And if you have a character suddenly make a decision, a choice mm. that is not in line with them, not yeah. in line with their motivations, and, and you're doing it because it serves plot, the okay. audience will just pick up on this and think, well, now I'm disconnecting with this character. Yeah, yeah. Because now they're suddenly, they're not being true. And I think, what? That's so unrealistic for this character to do this thing in this scenario. So I kind of, it's a bit like, I don't know, when you're watching a show and then you have an ad break and it kind of mm. takes you out of it and you think, yeah. oh, this isn't, where was I again? And you yeah, lose your yeah. point in right. the story because this character is just inconsistent now. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's one of the one of the bigger writing crimes you can do yeah. is like, yeah, if obviously you should know your character even better than your audience, but if you've done your work well and hopefully you have, then your audience knows that character pretty well. Yeah. And they love that character. Sometimes right? they're more invested in that character than you. Like, exactly. This is where we get fandoms yes. from. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, like, as soon as you do something with it that breaks the tenets of who that character is, yeah, of course your audience is going to rebel. Mm-hmm. And I think also that ties back to, like, for, for a character-driven story, all of a sudden it's not character-driven anymore because exactly. that character is doing something that they would never do. Exactly. Yeah. It's furthering the plot. It's not furthering... The character, so right, to speak. Yeah. right, yeah. exactly. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get thirty, thirty. Ready to get thirty, ready to get twenty, twenty, twenty. Ready to get twenty, twenty. Ready to get fifteen, 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 fifteen. Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're right. Um, and then just to sort of jump back to sort of, you know, knowing your characters really well, something I wanted to ask you about where for your, when you, when you're writing story and you sort of, again, we're talking about choices, like when, when you kind of have to make a choice, 
Do you find uh, this is going to sound so wacky? <laughs> <laughs> Bring it up, baby. Uh, do you find like sometimes the characters making the choice for you, like they're speaking through yeah, you? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yes, yeah. But this, I th- and I think when that happens, it's because you actually really do know your character. You've yeah. put a lot of thought into it, and that's that's a great part of writing when you mm. have done all that work up front. You've done the work, and it's obviously we're not just talking about our primary characters. You have to know your secondary characters to yeah, that level yeah. because they're going to help in so many ways, mm. uh, particularly moving the plot along through having multiple characters, you've then got multiple choices being made, right. but you've still got being true to those characters. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you have a good sense of who your character is mm. and then you go, oh, okay, I think this this then would happen next, you should already know they're going to have that knee-jerk reaction because ultimately we as people, we do have that knee-jerk reaction. We yeah. will step up to a situation and maybe our first response is defense. Maybe our first response is attack. Right. Maybe our first response is sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you should you should know your character well enough to know what would be their knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Now, that's, not, that's not to say that they won't come around or something like that. But, yeah, in a way, you can go, sweet, I already know what my character would do in this, yeah. in this yeah. situation. They're a smart-ass. They're going to be a smart-ass. Yeah. Yeah. That's their sort of comfort almost mm. is to, yeah. And I like that you sort of mentioning, you know, this, those secondary characters or, you know, your antagonists, whatever it mm-hmm. is, because we've mostly talk about choices as sort of driving plot. Right. But if we want to kind of get into the, into the weeds a bit more and think about the minutiae of our characters, knowing who our characters are and the choices they make, I find when it comes to writing dialogue, yes, that's, that's the easiest way to write really good dialogue yeah. is to not just write, well, here's my placeholder statement. Yeah, yeah. It's, here's what this character would say in this situation, yeah. which straight away, like that could be a whole chat on its own. Yeah, <laughs> on its oh own. But so let's get dig into it a little it. bit. So like, I guess, yeah, what are your thoughts when it comes to choices and, and dialogue? Yeah, definitely. Because nothing is worse than wooden dialogue mm. when you're reading this and thinking, that's not how people talk. Right. And right. usually I know when I'm reviewing my work and I think this conversation is just, this is flat. Yeah. It's because I know one half of the, I know one half of the conversation, this mm. character I've got down pat. Sure. This character, I just sort of put in because yeah, the primary yeah. character needed someone to talk this out with yeah. or they needed someone to challenge them or push them in this it direction. It could have been a cardboard cutout. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got a robot voice doing the <laughs> automated responses. Yeah. And and this is this makes for such flat conversation. Mm. And and if you've got I think even a scene where it's you're giving lots of exposition or it's so clearly a device to move the story forward. If you've got good dialogue, yeah. if you've got snappy dialogue between two well-rounded characters, particularly if they're either like bantering mm. or if they're so clearly dislike each other right. or maybe they're in a situation where they dislike each other but they have to pretend like they like each yes, other, yeah. you can have that exposition, you can have that clearly plot-driven device, but mm. suddenly it's interesting, it's engaging because it's, again, we're coming back to it's a character-driven scene again yeah. because you're doing it through the voices of these characters. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, absolutely, you've got to know those characters mm, because mm. if you don't, you're going to have this conversation fall flat because you've got one half where they sound like a real person and you got one half as if they're talking to a cardboard cutter. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And especially when we're thinking about like that, the, it's kind of like the choices these characters are making in the choice of what is this character going to say to try to get the thing that they want mm-hmm. from another person. Yeah. Um, and that that is kind of a really good way to think about anytime you're writing a scene between two characters, even if they're mates, even if they're getting along fine. Mm. Ultimately, one character wants something from the other character. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to get it or are they not? Mm. Because otherwise, what's the point of this scene in a sense? Like, exactly, yeah. Uh, I, I, especially with novels and such, I don't mind having sort of just 
nice scenes that tell us a bit more about the characters or their relationship. Mm. But ultimately, especially if you're in screenwriting world, it's like, no, this scene needs to be serving a purpose. Yeah. And if it's not, it's cut. It's out of there. Yeah. We, just don't have, is, we don't have waste, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, then, of course, once you're going, okay, well, this character wants the thing, uh, how are they going to get it? Again, now you, you're presented with a choice of, I want a thing, what, how am I going to get it? And they're going to- they're going to manipulate. We all manipulate. Yeah, like, that's absolutely. fine. Absolutely, yeah. Um, to try to get the thing they want. So, are they going to act sweet? Are they going to mm-hmm. act aggressive? Mm-hmm. Are they going to put guilt on the person? Mm-hmm. And then even then, it's like there are so many facets here where we make a choice. And again, knowing our characters, knowing them inside and out is mm-hmm. where this really helps. Because who are they talking to? Mm-hmm. Do they have higher status? Do they have lower status? Mm-hmm. Do they need to be mm-hmm. more Weasley? Or do they can they just straight out command a thing? Yeah. And then you also have the elements of like, well, for my character, are they doing their projected self mm-hmm. or is their broken self coming yes. through? Yes, yes, Or are we going to get those little glimmer of the true self in the idea that, okay, maybe there is hope this person's going to find their true self. Right. And so, all these different elements are at play to make the decision of what is this character trying to say? Mm-hmm. How are they going to say it? Mm-hmm. Is it going to go the way they want it to? Is it not? All mm-hmm. this sort of stuff. And then, of course, you're doing the same on the other side for our character they're talking to, yeah. let alone when you've got a whole room full of people. And I really liked your comment before about, like, that's what makes that scene dynamic opposed to wooden. Because mm. if you think of, like, Aaron Sorkin, obviously, is someone who writes really terrific dialogue. So, you look at any of, like, The West Wing or Social Network, like, these are talking shows. Yes. Mostly, it is people talking. Dialogue heavy, yeah. Yeah. Yet, it is so compelling. And then, yeah. like, Succession uh, is, a, is a new one where it's, again, a very dialogue heavy show, mo- not a lot of action. It's mostly just people talking at other people. Mm. But it's all those layers that are at play of, like, the ways they're trying to do this, the subtext of they're saying this thing textually, but we know we know them well enough to know actually they're trying to do this tricky mm-hmm. thing and manipulate this person in this way, and I can see the subtext underneath. Mm. And that's what makes it so engaging for an audience. And again, if we're going to choices, it's because that feels right for that character in this mm-hmm. setting. And we can see the, that character coming out through the choices they're saying. And so, every time you're like, oh, that was a good choice for that mm-hmm. character. Yes, mm-hmm. of course, they would do that given mm-hmm. this. And, oh, what are they going to try next? That didn't work. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the next choice. They yes. yes. And it just keeps it so compelling and interesting. And like, again, removing that woodenness because that woodenness isn't a good choice because it's not really a choice at all. Yeah. It's just the, like you said, it's sort of just the placeholder. Stand in. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, yeah, I think like a good example. I think what you're just talking about is in how the character will step up and how will they remain true to themselves. Yeah. And that's a great technique to use in any sort of formal storytelling is to challenge your character's Mm. true self or their projected self even and see how they're going to respond. And what comes to mind for me is in Parks and Recreation, we have this great character in Leslie Nope Mm. uh, and she's constantly, she's in a situation where, what she wants to achieve is almost impossible. Right, the whole system's so rigged big. against yeah, her. Yeah. And almost each episode, you're like, well, she cannot stay true to herself, surely, because mm. she's been, the odds have been put up against her. And watching her find a way to still be true to her values yeah. is the best part of the show. That's, yes. well, that's why I keep yeah. wanting to watch, because you watch this character somehow, miraculously, mm. stay true to themselves. And, and again, the choices that, that Leslie makes, the clever ways in which she gets what she wants, yeah. this is what makes it a beautiful show and a beautiful yeah. character. Yeah. You think, well done. You're so happy for them that yeah. they managed to find yeah, a way yeah. to beat the system and stay true themselves. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and then just while we're on like the dialogue and our character, how, choosing what our characters say and the choices they're making, um, there's this really good writing exercise I've done with some students, um, both young and old, where basically if if they've got a cast of characters or if not, choose a show, choose a book you love mm-hmm. where that has a really strong cast of characters like Parks and Rec, for example. 
and you can just have like a line of dialogue. Just this, you do the that wooden textual version of it, where it's okay. just like this is the thing this character's saying, mm. and then get each of them to s- then write that line for each of those different characters, mm. and they should be wildly different. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Um, and same for even editing, like going through your editing and like picking out a line of dialogue and going, "Do you want to know who this character is straight away?" Yeah. If not, why not? Like, I probably should for the most part, especially if you have two characters that sound very similar, then that's not a great thing. Yes. (laughs) You know, I'm saying this is uh, twins that are sitting across from each other (laughs) with probably very hard to tell our voices voices. apart right now. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we'll ignore that. Hey, this isn't scripted. Um, But yeah, having like having that that difference, because again, that's you making choices for these characters. That's you knowing these characters and choosing the way they say things will help define the character, help define the plot, help define the dialogue. Mm. So, yeah, all of it always comes back to choices. Yeah. Um, so, that kind of another thing I wanted to sort of bring back to at the start, how I said this, this can really sort of help, uh, you know, this topic really helps us drive our stories. Mm. Have you found, like, when you're struggling to make choices for a story, do you think it's generally because you don't know your characters, you don't know your story? Like, kind of when you hit those writer's block, like, how much of it do you think is coming into effect there? Yeah, definitely. There's been times where I'm writing a scene and you know it's not working. Mm. And I think a lot of the time it's because I'm so focusing on, okay, I want the plot to do this. Yeah. And, of course, in the same way you can have that cardboard cutout dialogue, you can have a cardboard cutout scene where it just plays out. Yeah. You go, I knew I need it to happen, so, okay, A, B, C, it's played out. Yeah. And you can write that scene and you can look at it and think, that's not good. And you don't always know why straight away because mm. like, but everything's happening that I needed to happen. Uh, but I think usually on reflection it's because my character is has no agency in this scene. Yeah. They're, not, they're not making any choices. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or what's happening around them is just happening is sort of how you said in that passive way. They're just being pulled along. Yeah. And usually that's when I think, okay, good, I've identified the problem. I'm going to rewrite this because now I need to put my character back into that central position. Yeah, We're yeah. watching through their head. What are they thinking? What are they feeling about this series of events? Are they mm. going to resist against it yeah. before just capitulating or whatever? But, yeah, definitely so often I find a flat scene or a bit of writer's block is because mm. I'm like, I don't know how my character would react yeah, to this. I haven't yeah. really thought about this. I've yeah. been thinking so much about the action. I haven't thought about... Yeah, how the character's perceiving this. Mm, mm. And usually when you sit and then you chew that nut through, that's when you suddenly, one, you usually get the forward the forward momentum happening yeah, again. Yeah. But two, you also suddenly get the story can now suddenly go in a few different ways you didn't yes, think about yes, because your yeah. character is now again back in control and making the choices again. You're thinking, shit, well, maybe they wouldn't even go down that path. Maybe yeah. I need to actually get them to get to that end point in a completely circuitous route because that's not who they are. They, yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't just go with it. Yeah, and so and again, this is like I said, this is the fun part of writing. Mm. This is, as you said, the liberating part of writing because yep. you can then suddenly you're like, there is. I don't have to try and fix it into a form. I don't have to try and reinvent the wheel. I get to just go where the character takes mm-hmm. me, and that's fun. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm really glad you said that because I think um, I've uh, the more I've written, the more I've embraced outlining because it just sort of mm. helps set up the process, all this sort of stuff. But sometimes it can be a bit of an Achilles heel because you've sort of you've said here. It, You've locked it in stone. Here's what's going to happen, mm-hmm. which it should never be locked in stone. It should always be fluid, but that's, you know, easier said than done. And I think the, what the your comment of like sometimes letting the character lead can take you to places you didn't expect your mm. story to go is so true. And like, you know, 
I think you, the setup for your story will always be like something has happened to this character outside of it. It's not always driven by them. It can be if they're like pursuing a goal, like they want to be the top of the finance people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they're getting up, they're climbing the ladder, they're being ruthless, they've gone to uni, they're now at the, they've entered a, a firm or whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. But then ultimately, the people at that firm are equally as ruthless and like that's going to come back at them. And there's this, this type of storytelling called But Therefore, mm-hmm. where basically a character wants a thing. But this thing gets in the way, mm-hmm. therefore they do this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like the most, it's like the simplest yeah. um, story structure you can look at. And basically, every beat you can, you should be able to really map your whole story for they want this thing, but this happens, therefore mm-hmm. they do this. But this other thing happens, mm-hmm. therefore they do this. Mm-hmm. So all those buts, they can be random mm. because that's not coming from your character, that's something happening to them. Yes, yeah. So you can go hog wild, you can come up with all sorts mm-hmm. of crazy stuff. The therefores should never be random. Mm. It should never be therefore, oh, they happened to find the magic sword lying next exactly, to them and off they yeah. went. No, the therefore needs to be they had trained in this whatever thing and they're really yeah. awesome at it that way, that way they can do this. Or, you know, we've proven that they're like Sherlockian and, of course, they can put the pieces together and yes. figure it out, whatever it might be. Yeah. But the therefore is always, always, always coming from character. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when you've got like you've outlined a whole story and you've forgotten about those therefores, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. like, okay, so this is going to happen. Then we'll get to this point and we'll mm-hmm. get to this point. You figured out all those buts. Um, you figured out the the things that are going to happen to your character that's going to get them from, you know, your, your various tent poles along the mm-hmm. way. But you haven't thought about those therefores. Mm-hmm. You haven't thought about how much their choices are going to change things. Yeah. And I think, yeah, sometimes like what you're saying, you hit that wall because you're trying to force them down this path. Yeah. That isn't right. Yeah. It's not like, okay, I've really like had to bend over backwards to make it feel like this character choosing to do this thing kind of gets yeah, us over it here. goes along with their motivation. Yeah, okay. Uh, they've, because they've, I've now had to add like five different right. things to put to spin them around enough that they're heading uh-huh. in the direction I want them to be uh-huh. heading in. Yeah. When I probably should actually remove all that. Yeah. And know actually they're going to head over on this garden path yeah. and take me somewhere entirely yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. And like you'd, you'd be surprised sometimes even if you've got still this great, you know, your end, you can still make your way to the end. Yeah. But along the way, your character might take you to some somewhere way cooler and more interesting absolutely and that's what i was going to say like i think it's so funny you think no 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 i've i've done my outline yeah and i agree i do like to do an outline now yeah. I, at the start I, I tried to you know i think we've all read stephen king's in writing yeah, you think, yeah. oh wow well, if stephen king could just it sit is, there and smash it out yeah without any planning whatsoever well i can do that mm. uh nope uh he's Turns out a no. god amongst men and <laughs> yeah. we cannot do that uh and yeah generally without that outline your character is suddenly going off and playing in the park with the birds you think oh is it serving the story uh, yeah Maybe it's not mm. so yeah i definitely like to outline but then it is amazing how if you just let your character particularly you know usually we spend a lot of time in our character mm. put that time to good use you've sure, invented sure. hopefully a very three-dimensional interesting character let yeah. them take the reins yeah and it will take you in places that were not on the outline and it's usually better for it because, mm. again, I don't know if you're the same, but when mm. I outline, because you know that this is this is sort of the initial version, it's very easy just to go for the cliches. Yeah, it's yeah. very easy to be like, yeah, this this will be good because yeah. I've seen this a hundred times before, and and that's a good sort of plot device, and so that, yeah, that'll happen sort of. Yeah. But of course, when you get down to the actual cra- art of writing, mm. then you're thinking, "Well, no, this isn't good at all. Yeah. This is so unoriginal. <laughs> what did I, at the time this seemed fine, but right. now I'm here and yeah. I'm writing the the prose or yeah. the dialogue, yeah. and you're thinking, "Oh shit, this is so unoriginal." Yeah. But if you let that character take control and and mm. go with the choices they would make, you go in places that weren't on the outline, yeah. and it's so much more fun for you as a writer, and I think so much more interesting for a reader because the reader's sort of sometimes sitting on the seat going, "I genuinely don't know where this is going." Yes. Because yeah. characters just 
hopefully being true to themselves, but yeah, they're not following the rules right. that we've seen in every sort of Hollywood yep, film. Exactly. We're like, no, 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 they now they have to go there, right? Mm. But yeah, if you let your character make decisions for themselves and and go to go along with that, you get such you go to places you never thought and you will still you'll still get back onto the plot, but mm. usually in a better way. Yeah. Usually in a more interesting way and a way that is true to that character. And mm. so it's just been a more interesting ride to get there. Yeah, I agree. And I think to to tie it all back to everything we've been saying, I think even you mentioning Stephen King, I think one of the best examples of everything you're just saying is Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where it's it's your original example of someone needing to break out of prison. Yes. And so for me, the cliche, the low hanging fruit there is like is the thing of like, all right, the guards are the guards. I've figured out the guard rotation. Mm-hmm. I've worded up this guy mm-hmm. to unlock the doors, and like you know, it's a fairly standard sort of a bit of a heist, but you're breaking out instead of breaking in. Mm-hmm. And and yep, they put the pieces together and then they follow through and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Where I think the Andy Dufresne character, he feels like such a sort of mellow kind of a mm. character, but there's such a richness to him because the reality is he is he is infuriated by his situation because obviously his, he's yeah, incorrectly incarcerated. Correct. Exactly. He's also fiercely intelligent. Mm-hmm. He's fiercely controlled. Mm. And most of all, he's persistent. Yes. And, like, so the the thing, Shawshank Redemption, I'm sure lots of people love it. I definitely do. And it's so powerful because, like you were saying, a lot of the time you're like, I don't know where this is yeah. going. Like, all I'm seeing is this guy who, and when, especially because we're not sure if he's if he is guilty yes, or not. Yes, Up until maybe, like, yeah, maybe the midpoint we, we finally get the story from mm-hmm. that new prisoner who comes mm-hmm. in and says, actually, yeah, I know for certain you're not right. And, he of course, admitted to the killing warden, her. Yeah, mm-hmm. kills him and all the rest. So... By our midpoint, we know exactly yet that he he is innocent, but we're still like, okay, but we haven't seen him do any of the familiar tropes. He's trying to play, he's trying to do the system, but the system's against mm-hmm. him. The warden's corrupt, like mm-hmm. all these sorts of really frustrating things. But we, by this point, we've sort of invested and we like our character, and we love our character. And then finally, when we get that, the answer of him very meticulously mm-hmm. having done this for decades, yes. and it finally breaks out. It is, it is so beautiful because- only that character yes, could have done that. That's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. And I think that that really brings it home. Only your character could have made that decision in that moment. That yeah. is such a beautiful thing. And, yeah, ironic that we bring it back to this this jailbreak because, yeah, Andy Dufresne, what makes that, that story so impressive is the persistence that this is a character who for years mm. chipped away at the wall, for years worked the warden right. and figured out this system yeah. and and. You have the end scene of him literally crawling through shit. I mean, if that's not the perfect analogy for the last 20 years of this man's life, you know, but he he does it. He sits there and he vomits and he keeps crawling Mm. until he eventually gets to his thing, to, to freedom. And the and what's perfect about that is is he has been true to his character yeah. from day dot. Yes, he yeah. was that character going in. He was that clever, intelligent, successful man put yeah. into this powerless situation. Yeah, but he doesn't suddenly stop being intelligent mm. and, and driven. He just has to do it in a very different way. And so his escape is the most perfect escape for that character. And only he could do it because it's so true to his character and what was set up. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I might wrap it up there because that feels like a beautiful endpoint for uh, everything yeah, we just talked I, about. Yeah, you would think we orchestrated that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. Uh, well, brother, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, hey, for joining me for this short It's lovely, chat. lovely to be looking at your face. Uh, yeah. For anyone listening, I don't know. I live in Austria. Uh, yes. <laughs> that, yeah. That's why we keep bringing back to being so excited to being in the same this room is here. true, yeah. Uh, and COVID kept us apart for three years. So yeah. to be able to see you face-to-face and talk are, story, yeah. what we do best. Uh, it's a gorgeous thing. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful thing. Beautiful, yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to hear more from Jono, you should check out his website, jonathanrob.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, you can check out a bunch of his great blogs, and there are a couple of short stories up there for you as well. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Midday Pajamas, or feel free to send me an email at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Short Tales, and I've been Damien Robb. <laughs>